The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, Mr. Antenna, and by Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. Now your host, Jim Tofty. For those of us in the radio business for all these many years, an important name that we constantly ran into was a top concert promoter named Danny Zalisco, who is still doing it, 50 years later, if you saw Queen, Pink Floyd, Tom Petty, and hundreds of other acts, then Danny Zalisco was probably responsible for bringing them to your town. Danny has many shocking stories to share, including that time he had to ask Mike Tyson to get off the stage here in Las Vegas during a Whitney Houston concert, or that time he spent a once-in-a-lifetime evening in a castle with Pink Floyd and naked champagne girls. Although you'll hear in this interview that he can neither confirm nor deny that, it's all in his new book titled All Excess, Occupation Concert Promoter. Right now, I've got Danny Zalisco on the line. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm great, Danny. It's always great to talk to a a guy from the Chicagoland area. Uh, Great. (laughs) Where are you from? Uh, originally, I'm from actually uh, Racine, Wisconsin, so I made it down to Chicago many times for concerts that I'm sure you promoted. Very close. I used to go to Three Lakes for vacation. Oh, nice, yeah. Booner. Oh, sure. You know, it's amazing to me, and I know that you've been doing this for a long time, but radio stations in the Chicago area, like WLS, with your help, would actually break bands. I mean, Crying Shames, Ides of March, eventually Sticks. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? No, I'm afraid it doesn't. It's uh, it's too bad because I mean, where where would I have been as a kid in my adolescence without those groups you just mentioned? Exactly. And the mods. Don't forget the mods. <laughs> <laughs> I love those bands. Those those were definitely a, a big part of growing up there. Yeah, and I talked to uh, uh, not too long ago. Talked to Tom Duty from the Crying Shames and, and everything that they had. Okay. Yeah, everything they had to go through just to to break through. No, it's uh, it, it's a different world, you know, out there for that because they don't allow uh, most jocks to to have ears, you know. Hey man, I heard this record. I gotta play it. You, know, you can't play that. No, no, no. The consultant says you'll do what what you're told to do. <laughs> yeah, I got a guy. I got a guy in Baltimore telling me what the audience wants to hear here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> don't get it doesn't me. Doesn't work that way. Don't get me started, Danny. Don't get me started. <laughs> when, <laughs> I'm in enough trouble. When you started in the business. Nobody knew really what concert promoting was. Well, no. By the time I got involved, they they sure did, but it was definitely in its infancy stages. Um, you know, compared to where we are right now, I mean, nobody was really doing it. I had uh, some guys in Chicago there. There was Triangle and and the guys at Flipside. They uh, Howard Stein. They did a bunch of shows when I was in in high school. That's really where I saw the business start off. But I was I was in it within two years after that, um, as a as a teenager. So, do you remember the first big you know act, the big, first big artist or band that you promoted? Well, the, the first one was uh, the Mahavishnu Orchestra in Tucson. Nice, John McLaughlin. But then uh, the the first show I actually booked but didn't play first 
was Herbie Hancock when he did Headhunters. Oh, wow. I found out later, don't just book groups that you like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's just like radio, right? Uh, If I played the uh, songs I liked, I'd be gone. Uh, your book is uh, is unbelievable. I've read uh, quite a bit of it, and and uh, being from Las Vegas at this moment, you've got to tell me about the Whitney Houston concert where uh, Mike Tyson was in attendance. It was one of the weirdest uh, weirdest nights ever. I'm back in the pr- uh, production office. All the people who were running the show, promoter, road manager for Whitney, road manager for the opening act, everybody. That's where. Business Central was, and, and the production manager from Whitney comes in and says, Miss Houston would like to see you. And I said, okay, and I'm going, gee, what's this about? I mean, I've met her before. I don't really know her or anything, but I'm flattered, you know. I I think she's going to thank me for bringing her tonight. Uh-huh. I walked in there, and, and she unleashed on me because of Mike Tyson, who was uh, hanging out on the back of the stage, and it was reported to her. She goes, what's that noise out there? And they're yelling, Champ, 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 champ. <laughs> you know, in be, in, this is in between the opening act and Whitney coming on, and she's going, he's stealing my thunder. You get his butt off that stage right now. Oh, great. So, uh, and she goes, and I want you to do it because I want that audience to see he was bad. Okay? Nice. So I, I go to the stage, and there's these two bookends, I mean, about seven feet tall, 350 pounds each uh-huh. of human flesh standing in front of Mike between me and Mike. And he goes, let him through. And I go and I explain to him what just happened. And he goes, of course, of course, I, I don't, I don't want to cause anybody any trouble. I said, I got to lead you off the stage by your arm. Oh my God. Goes, Cause Whitney's watching. He goes, where is she? I, I said, she's everywhere. I don't know where she is. <laughs> so, so I walk him down the stairs, and the second we hit the floor from the stage stairs, the the lights dropped, and she hit it, and I, I caught her eye, and she was just laughing at me. Right <laughs> after after the show, Miss like, Houston wants to see you. I go, uh oh, now what? So I go in there, and she goes, my hero, and the door closes, and Tyson's standing right there. <laughs> and I said, are you, are you going to kill me now? He goes, I think so. <laughs> and he, he didn't. He was very nice. You survived, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's scary. It, it really had- it really added to a great night. What about that time you spent a night in a castle with Pink Floyd and, of course, with naked champagne girls? What happened? <laughs> I, Is don't, there... I don't know about the naked champagne girls. Okay. <laughs> that's not did, the... did, did you read a little something extra into that book? Well, there's that's some of the stuff that was included in the notes that we got in advance. I I <laughs> what I wasn't expecting that you were going to be able to elaborate much on that story anyway, but it's fun. <laughs> okay, yeah, that I, I guess that one I, we're going to have to leave for the reader. I, I swear to God, I don't. It, it's not registering. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I talked to uh, actress Ray Dawn Chong a few days ago, and she said that after this pandemic, we're going to probably go into another Roaring Twenties with people just going crazy and having a great time again. And I'm assuming you have to be that optimistic yourself because this concerts were hit. That was about the first thing that was canceled in this thing. Well, yeah, that was you know the first public gathering things that that went away. Um, I think to a degree, uh, I, I love Ray Dong Chung, um, 
Uh, I'd like to agree with her on that. But I, I think, you know, when when it first comes back where where it's like people are are told that their freedom is no longer being compromised by a, a pandemic, which, you know, I mean, you got no choice. You got to you got to drive that thing out. Um, I, I think people will will come back pretty strong. But, you know, they already are. Um, in in many ways, in many cases, there's a lot of places all around the country that have that have opened up. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's premature or not. Some would you know fight either way about it. Um, I hate to see people suppressed about what they're able to do or or not do. Uh, but when when it does come back, I I think more than anything, it's going to be a sigh of relief of that newfound freedom to to do things that you typically would do without thinking again. And and to me that's gonna be the breath of fresh air. Um I, I don't need a whole lot more than that. I've had a lot of New Year's Eves in my life. <laughs> yeah. But uh I'm I'm looking forward to a lot more, you know. I know that the the band Chicago not too long ago announced that they would be playing here again in the fall. Do you have anything scheduled with the bands that you represent yet? Yeah, we're, you know, what's been going on since last March is, is we've been playing kind of a game of chess with with our concert acts with the calendar because we've been left with absolutely no choice. Um, we want the shows to happen as soon as possible, as soon as it's safe. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, shows last year I had in March, April, May got moved to June, July, August, and nobody knew what was going to happen next. Uh, now we have, you know, a better idea of what's going on, and, and I think we can see a little light at the end of the tunnel here. If we do indeed get all of our vaccines by the end of May, um, I would say by the end of the summer, we'll be back to normal with doing shows. Um, you know, somewhere around Labor Day, I would think, for sure. I'd like to think that's full-blown. But prior to that, over the summer, uh, for the groups that can get it together and, and tour on short notice, I would suggest that they're ready, you know, around Memorial Day. Um, because there there will be the ability to do other things safely that aren't quite as big as a you know, a stadium or a big arena uh, where we can work ourselves back into this with some nice shows and some good times. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, Danny's book, of course, is All Excess. It's available at dzplive.com, and all the information about future concerts and stuff is available there, too. And, of course, we'll look deeper for that story about Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah, let me know when you find that one. I'm, I'm okay. kind of curious myself. <laughs> All right. Danny, it's always nice to uh, catch up with you, and you stay safe and well. Thanks, Jim. Have fun in Vegas. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. You know, it's not a huge surprise that he may have forgotten a story or two. You can imagine everything he witnessed backstage. My former radio partner and I, Ken Johnson, witnessed this one time backstage when we were going to introduce George Thorogood. We were supposed to interview him first backstage, but he was on the phone arguing with someone at the time. His manager walked up to us and said, look guys, the interview is off, I'm sorry. So it turns out that George was on the phone with his wife at the time, who had just found out that he was having an affair. Good times. I guess he didn't drink alone, did he? That wraps up this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.